Hello and welcome everyone to this first episode of Communication in the Past. Today I'm going to take you on a journey to the Swiss Confederation of the 1520s. And we are going to meet an unruly academic with an important agenda. He was a physician and a lecturer who tried to widen access to medical knowledge. So he thought professionals should not speak sophisticated Latin, but instead the vernaculars, like German or French, which many more healers and practitioners could actually understand. But his violation of long university traditions brought him scorn from his colleagues. Still, he had a profound impact on the way new ideas about healing were communicated in the early modern period. And some of you may already know who I am talking about. His name was Paracelsus, and this is his story. In the 16th century, healing was a business with many different practitioners. Doctors who were either trained at a university or in a hospital were only a small minority and only the wealthy could afford their services. When the common man or the common woman fell ill, they usually hired one of the other medical practitioners and there were plenty to choose from. You had barbers who could pull out a broken tooth, you had surgeons who could treat your injured leg, and you had apothecaries who could mix a potion that would help you recover from your stomach ache. These many practitioners would not have read or spoken Latin, and they were exactly Paracelsus's target group when he started lecturing in Basel in 1527. As a newly appointed town physician, he had the privilege to teach at the institute of the small university town, but he did not want to teach medicine only to those who could afford to study. He wanted to teach everyone. And this also applied to those who lived outside Basel, as Paracelsus wrote in his invitation to his first lecture. They were all invited to hear him speak about his experiences in foreign countries and he had much to say because he had been a surgeon for the Venetian army. So, unlike his colleagues, he had gained a lot of experience with healing wounds, fighting diseases and treating injuries. For his listeners, he would lecture in German, which would help them improve their skills. So, in the end, they could treat patients more effectively. With this emphasis on the vernacular, Paracelsus has been compared to Martin Luther, who famously translated the Bible into German. And, just like Luther, Paracelsus broke with common practice by turning his back on Latin. Since the very beginning of universities in the 13th century, Latin had played a crucial role in these institutions. Medicus fidus morbum periculosum medicina curabat. Latin was the lingua franca, the language men all over Europe learned. So when a student from Padua came to Paris, he would have no difficulty to understand his French professors, which was quite convenient. But it was also an elitist language. It excluded those who did not have the financial means to hire a Latin instructor 
and help them learn the complicated language with its many endings and complicated rules. And this large non-Latin group included almost all of the medical practitioners in early modern Europe. Paracelsus's radical reform was naturally not welcomed by everybody. Most academics in Basel were not amused by the change of long-established traditions, especially since this was not the only way the new physician showed his disagreement with the establishment. He was certainly not someone who held back. Shortly after he came to Basel, he stated that almost all of his new colleagues were wrong, because they based their knowledge not on practice, but on the works of medical authorities. In his opinion, Galen's idea of the four humors that govern the human body was utter nonsense. And to show that he was serious, he visited a bonfire that the students organized shortly after his appointment and threw one of the books used for medical studies in Basel into the fire. He also showed his disbelief with the academic tradition in the classroom. Paracelsus would start his lecture in his academic gown, just like his colleagues, but then, all of a sudden, he would strip the gown off and throw it to the floor. And if that was not provocation enough, he continued his lecture in a leather apron, the dress of an alchemist. So these were really strong statements, and so naturally it didn't take long until Paracelsus was publicly ridiculed and scorned. His critics gossiped about him at every occasion and spread rumors on the streets. They pasted lampoons against him on the walls of various buildings in the city so that everyone could see them. So in these publications they claimed that Paracelsus was simply too stupid to know Latin. And one of the poems also argued that Galen had turned over in his grave and that he was so offended that his ghost had spoken from the underworld. And he said, Paracelsus appeared to be nothing more than just ignorant and arrogant. And the bad treatment did not stop there. His colleagues actually came up with various ways to stop Paracelsus from giving his lectures. And one way was to prevent him from using the auditorium, so that he had to use smaller venues with poor acoustics. Another way was to prevent him from taking on doctoral students, so the other professors hoped this would stop his radical ideas from spreading and eventually the younger generation would lose interest in, the, in these new ideas. Well, we know now his critics were wrong about his knowledge of Latin. Paracelsus knew the language quite well, as we see from the many letters that he wrote in Latin. But the Basel professors were not entirely wrong about his character. He was certainly stubborn and extremely self-confident. His lack of modesty also shows in the name he gave himself after his Basel episode. He called himself Paracelsus, which translates into better than the Roman physician Celsus. And this strong character proved to be too much for the traditional university town. So eventually Paracelsus had a dispute about money which made him so angry that he left the city on the same day and tried his luck somewhere else. So, what was the legacy of this unruly academic? And how did he influence communication in the early modern period? Well, his quest to widen access to medical knowledge was not immediately successful. 
He did not succeed in establishing German as an alternative to Latin for medical studies at university, but his colleagues were not successful in preventing his ideas from spreading either. After Paracelsus's death, some of his disciples looked for his works and published them in print. These works continued to challenge the educational establishment and its focus on ancient authorities. To make this point even clearer, the books did not only appear in German, but were also translated in other vernaculars, such as French and Italian. This way, the works appealed to a much broader audience than the Latin-speaking elite and made medical knowledge more accessible. This was it for today. Thank you very much for listening. Next week we are going to meet a reluctant revolutionary who tried to communicate an uncomfortable truth.